Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Let's bow our heads and just ask the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we have opportunity to come and gather around in our living rooms, in our homes. We can gather around your Word. We're asking this morning that you would show us and open the words of life to us, that we might grow, that we might hear your words, that we might plant the word in our hearts and bear fruit. Holy Spirit, we rely on you this morning. Any words that I say that are not of you, we just let them fall away. But Lord, if that is from you, let them grow in our hearts, I pray. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is Just Three Words. And I'm sure you want to know what those three words are. Um, It's not, I love you. It's not, oh my God, or something like that you'll find on the internet. I've got three different words that I see over and over. Get your Bibles out. Let's go and have a look at these words. You're going to find them in Hebrews chapter 3. And they dotted over a couple of verses. So we're going to read a bit of scripture. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, and I'm going to take my time and just look into this. It starts off with the words there, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. It starts with the words, therefore. Now, whenever you see the words, therefore, you need to go back and have a look why it's there, what it's there for. So let's just give you a synopsis quickly of chapter 2. Because the writer to the Hebrews here is setting us up. And he he wants us to remember something, taking chapter 2 into account. Let's look at chapter 3. So here on the screen, I'm going to be putting chapter 2 for you. Just a couple of verses that I'd like you to have a look at. In verse 1, it says, give earnest heed lest we drift away. Come on, wake up, pay attention, earnest heed. Come on, this has got to be important to us. We don't want to be drifting off. We do not want to let go of what God has been teaching us. Verse 2 carries on and says, and tells of this great salvation. So join the two together. We need to pay attention to the salvation that has been given to us. It's very, very important. We need to shake the person next to you. Drink your coffee. Wake up. Come on, this is important. We need to focus on the salvation or this, what Jesus has done for us. But what has Jesus done for us, you might ask? Verse 9 tells us, Jesus suffered and he died and he tasted death for all of us. You see, that's the free gift of Jesus. That's our salvation. Jesus has put us back in right standing with the Heavenly Father. That's the salvation that we have. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. That's what I need to give urgent heed to and pay attention to. Verse 14, though, carries on and gives us a promise and says, Through Jesus' death, he has destroyed or rendered powerless the devil. Oh, isn't that good news? We've been thinking and and, and listening on Tuesday nights to Truly Free, how we can be free from the the trap and the door that is open to the devil. We can close that door and we can be truly free. This verse over here tells us that through Jesus' death, he has rendered, the little word there is rendered the devil harmless or powerless against us. That's a promise to you and me. But it goes on, read the next verse, verse 15. And he tells us that now we can be set free from the fear of death. I don't have to be afraid of dying anymore. Because I know if I did die, instantly I'm in the Lord's presence. The devil doesn't have a hold on me. 
verse 16 finishes off the promise and it says, he didn't do this for the angels. He did it for you and me. We are children and, of the, uh, and seed of, the, of Abraham. Well, isn't that good news? Jesus died for you. He died for me. He set us free from the power and the yoke of the enemy. We can be totally free. So that is what we're going to put into our minds. That's what we're going to remember. But now with that in place, let's go and have a look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Holy brethren and sisters, you share in the heavenly calling through Jesus. You and I, we, we're brothers and sisters together. And we share in that heavenly calling. And we acknowledge Jesus as the apostle and high priest. Now, when I think of apostles, I always think of the 12 disciples. They were the apostles. Jesus is our apostle. An apostle is nothing more than a sent one, an envoy, a, a, a missionary, as it were, to another land. Jesus was sent by God to make a way for us. He comes with good news and says, I've got promises. I've got the word of God. I've got the Bible. I've got, I've got my instructions. The kingdom is here. It's a gift to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He came with that message. So he's an apostle. But he's not just the apostle. He's also the high priest. A high priest was the person who could go into the tabernacle and he could take the blood of the sacrifice and he'd go to the, the, the altar and he can make a sacrifice for us for forgiveness of sin. But Jesus did it for us once and for all. By his death on the cross, he paid once and for all for our sins. Now he goes to the Father and he says, here's my own blood. I'm the high priest. I bring my own blood. And I can say that all these brothers and sisters, they are set free because of what I paid for, because of the price that I paid on the cross. Isn't that fantastic news? He goes on in verse 2, and he says that he was faithful as this high priest. It says he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. And I see here quite an interesting little thing here between Moses and Jesus. There's a, there's a similarity drawn. Scripture in the rest of this chapter actually describes Moses and it describes Jesus as the priest. But I want to jump quickly down to verse 13 and then come back to verse 2 and 3. Verse 13 says, today, today you need to make a decision. Today is the day that I need to encourage you. Today is the day that we mustn't make the same mistake that the children of Israel made. We need to listen today. So this morning I'm shaking you up, I'm waking you up. I want to remind you that Jesus is the one who brought our salvation. He set us free from the power of the enemy and he gave us a promise and he said, I did it just for you guys. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Today is the day that Jesus has rendered the enemy powerless in your life. Do you believe it? Come on, let's have a look at the next couple of verses. You'll see, and I'm not going to read them in detail. I've got them on the screen for you. Look at that, how Moses was faithful to what God told him to do. Jesus was even more faithful to the Heavenly Father and what he asked him to do. This is parallel that is drawn. Moses was the leader of the children of Israel. But Jesus is the leader. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. He's the cornerstone of the church building. He is the leader, just like Moses was the leader of the children of Israel. So God is bringing, in Hebrews chapter 3, is bringing in this parallel for us. You know, Moses, he gave the children of Israel a promise. Let me backtrack a little bit. They were in slavery 400 years. They were locked in Egypt 
under slavery and they didn't know any God. They, they, they were children of God, but they didn't know God. They hadn't heard from him for 400 years. And Moses rocks up on the seat and says, God has told me that I'm going to be able to take you into the promised land. I'm going to take you to the land flowing with milk and honey. I have got a promise for you. If you will listen and you obey him, you can go into the promised land, the land of rest. Isn't that fantastic? A promise they had and they needed to obey Moses. But Jesus is giving us a promise too. Did you know that in the Bible there's over 7,487 verses and promises that are made for you and for me? 7,000 or more. Some scholars say up to 10, 15,000 different verses are promises that are for you and for me. Those verses are God's will for our lives. Just like Moses, when he went to the children of Israel and he said, Hey, will you believe me? Will you come with me? Let's go into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. So Jesus is saying, I have got promises for you. It's written in my word. Would you believe those? Do you believe God when he says those promises about you? Do you have confidence in those promises? Maybe you're thinking, nah. You know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. We never quite know what he's going to do. You know, his thoughts are a lot higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than... Hang on a minute. God's promises aren't 50-50. They're not based on whether you come to him and he's in a good mood or it's your lucky day. I want to ask you a question. With all those promises that Jesus promised, said, I'm your savior. I'm going to set you free from the power of the enemy. You don't have to be locked into fear. Do you believe those promises? Do you believe he is who he says he was? Do you believe that he will do what he said he will do? At first glance, oh, of course, Wayne, I believe that. Really? Sometimes I wonder and say, you know, we are like Teflon-coated Christians. We have so much sermons. I hear it all the time. I've heard a thousand sermons. But don't let it just bounce off you. Take chapter 2, it said, take heed, pay attention, lest you fall asleep, lest you let go of your salvation. We've got to wake ourselves today and stir ourselves up. Verse 19 summarizes this perfectly. It says, they could not enter into the promised land. They could not enter into the, the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, the promise of rest. They could not enter it because of unbelief. The world says, they say, I'll believe it when I see it. And God turns it on its head and he says, if you believe it, then you can see it. I want to tell you, if you can believe the 7,487 promises, then you will see it. But sometimes my nature says, well, I want to see it first and then I will believe it. Do you believe the promises? Do you believe the promises of God for your life? Or do your circumstances and your experiences outweigh that? And you say, but I can't believe that because I'm experiencing. I know the Bible says I can be healed, but right now I'm in pain. The Bible says I can be blessed, but right now my finances are flat. The Bible says I can enjoy work, but right now I've been retrenched. Are you believing your circumstances, the pain, the sickness, the lack that you experience now? Are you, are you putting more faith and trust in that than you are in the 7,487 promises of God. See, the children of Israel, if you read the chapter, they only believed what they saw. They relied on the physical, and God said, I want you to put your trust, your confidence in me. Well, 
those 7,487 promises, some of those promises are unchanging. They're irrefutable and they're immutable. That means they will never change. You can't argue it. They are fixed. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Genesis chapter 8, it says there that as long as the earth remains, there will be day and night, summer and winter. Oh, that's, that's a promise. It do, I don't need to believe it. It's just going to happen. Tomorrow morning, I'll wake up and I know the sun will rise. I know that there's a summer season coming and there's a winter season coming. This requires no believing on my part. That promise that God has made will happen irrespective of my stance and my believing. Another one that I got for you. God loves you. And he loves me. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nothing is going to change the love that God has for us. The whole world. He loves every single person so much. It says there that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, for you and for me. In John chapter 3 verse 16. And John 15 verse 9 says, as the father has loved me, I love you. Think about that. As much as Heavenly Father loves Jesus, Jesus loves us and the Father loves us with the same amount. The Heavenly Father loves me just as much as He loves Jesus. Oh, wow! And that's unchangeable. It will never, ever, nothing that I do or don't do will ever change the fact that God loves me. And I want to tell you this morning, He loves you too. There's another one though. Jesus said, I am coming again. This world as we know it is going to come to a close. And there is going to be a judgment day. And Jesus said, I am coming back. Oh, I don't believe that. I don't care. He is still going to come back. It's not what you or I believe. It's stated in the word of God. It's irrefutable. It will happen. Jesus is going to come back. But that's just a couple of those promises that are uh, unchanging. Most of those promises, most of the 7,487 promises are actually conditional. Now, I know you didn't want to hear that. You know, we like to think that just because it's written in the Bible, that's it. Um, it's fine for me and I'll have whatever it says in the Bible. But that's not quite true. I want to show you this verse, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. It says there that we are the house. We are living stones. We are part of the house. And notice the word there, if. There's a big word there, if. Do you see it? 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says, we are living stones built into a house. So, so that's, we are living stones. But it says there, if we continue and hold on to the end and we remain in our confidence, then we can be part of that house. There's a condition we have to fulfill. Um, here's another one. Doesn't the Bible say that we are the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 12, 27. But there's a condition there. We'll see it, it says, if we remain in him, then we can be the body of Christ. We, the condition, this big if statement. So the first word that I want to share with you today from this uh, chapter in Hebrews chapter 3 is the word if. Let me give you another one, a couple of examples here. You know that God wants everyone saved, right? He says that I, I wish that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life in 1 Timothy 2.4. God wants everyone saved, but there's an if. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If 
you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Then you can be saved. So yes, God wants everyone to be saved, but there's an if You need to believe it. You need to do something. The children of Israel had a promised land to go to, but they had to believe it. They, they had to believe that God was taking them into the promised land and they had to do what he said to do. It's not enough just to believe that God exists. You know, even the devil believes that God exists. Even the demons know about Jesus. We have to appropriate to our lives. It's not about making a decision, just a once-off and saying, hey, I know Jesus, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. He was a historic figure. He was 2,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know all about that. Therefore, I'm okay. No, 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 no. No, it's all about making Jesus, in, taking him into your heart. It's all about living for him. It's all about becoming a follower, a disciple of Jesus. There's an if statement there. I love this one. We all quote it. Uh, you guys have been quoting it the whole week. You say, the truth will set you free. The Bible is God's truth. Well, if the truth was setting people free, why, why are people still in bondage? Why are people still battling and having attacks with the enemy? Because you haven't read the whole verse. You see, John 8, 31, it says there that the truth will set you free. But the preceding couple of words says, you will know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. That word no doesn't just mean I've heard of it. It literally means have a working understanding, a, an operational knowledge of that word. Do we know the Bible to that degree? Have we studied inside and out? Are we looking through all the different pages that I really understand it? That's the scriptures. Those are the words that is going to be able to set you free. As a little boy growing up, I love this verse. Uh, John 15 verse 7 says, you can ask me anything and I will do it for you. John 15 verse 7, my favorite verse. I have it underlined in bright yellow in my Bible. You can't miss it. But I came to realize there's a big F with that verse. You can't just ask anything. Read the couple of verses beforehand. It says, if you abide in me and if my words remain in you. Then you may ask me anything and I will do it. These are big F. Are we prepared to take God's word and have confidence in his word? You see, that brings me to my second word that I want to share with you today. First one was F and the second one is confidence. Do you believe his word? Do you have confidence in him? Oh, but Wayne, the Bible says, that all his promises are yes and amen, brother. Well, let me just show you another little F. If you read that verse, and again, it's on the screen. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 19 to 20. It says, all the promises are yes and amen. But it says there, in him, in Christ. When we spend our time in him, then all the promises are let me reword it in my way. If we have confidence in his word, if we are in him and we know his will for our lives, we've studied it out, we have, then his promises are yes and amen. I've got a big question for you. Do you trust him? Do you have confidence in Jesus? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36 says, don't throw away your confidence in the, the New King James says, don't cast away like a fishing rod, casting or throw away your confidence because it has great reward. You see, if you don't really believe something, and that's what confidence really is, isn't it? It's believing. 
if you don't really believe something, then you're not going to act it out. You're not going to act on it because you don't really believe it. So if you don't really believe, you're never going to take the steps of faith that Jesus requires because you've lost your confidence. Don't forget your confidence. We've got to get our confidence back. Not in ourselves. Not in a worldly system. We've got to get our confidence back in our Jesus. Do I believe he is who he said he is? Do I believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do? All those 4,787 promises. Do I believe that he's going to do them for me? Or have I lost my confidence? There's a great reward if you endure. See, it's not based on feelings. Wayne, I don't have my health now. So does that scripture mean it's not written? Hang on. Just because you, the facts or the, the symptoms of your body doesn't line up with the word of God, doesn't mean the word of God isn't true. It's coming. Do you have confidence in him? Do you put your trust in him? Hebrews 4, 16. And recently I've been really enjoying this verse. I've meditated on it so much. Again, an if statement and confidence. Will we come to his throne of grace? in our time of need. If you come to his throne of grace in your time of need, but you won't come to his throne of grace if you don't have confidence. And he doesn't just say, it says boldly come. Boldness is confidence. I can come straight and say, Lord, your word says over there. It says there that, Lord, I'm asking you, please, I'll need this and I'm appropriate. I believe that you are the one who wrote it. The words are written in red. You said it, therefore I believe it. And that settles it. These symptoms in my body, those symptoms in my bank account, the, the, what's happening in my family, that is secondary. I'm putting my trust on you. I give you these cares. Here, catch. I'm casting my confidence on him. I believe him. I'm not going to believe what I see around me. Everything around me is shifting, is changing. Who would have thought we'd be in this predicament just six months ago? None of us predicted this. Things change so quickly. Let's put our confidence and our trust in him. I want to ask you, when something happens, what's the first thing you do? Do you reach for your phone and text it? Do you email it? Get onto social media, get all the hype and the tension. If your confidence was in him, the first thing you're going to do is go to Jesus. Because your confidence in him, you're going to run to him. Because you're confident in him. Social media shouldn't be our default go-to. Finding a friend, it's good to have friends. Please don't get me wrong, you need friends. But did you go to your heavenly father first and put your confidence in him? I've got here with me. A, a store card and on the store card here is 20 pounds now there's lots of different store cards available okay so don't get hung up on what store card this is but it says there 20 pounds you can see it there 20 pounds and this store card was given to me by my son you know he loves me dearly this was given to me for my birthday uh, September last year and it's still got 20 pounds that's what he said now he knows I need a new shirt because I, I like new shirts and things like that. So I needed a new shirt. So he said, Dad, I'm giving you a store card. Go and buy yourself. And he gave me this promise. Here, it's 20 pounds on the store card. But I can tell you from experience, the store card <laughs> doesn't work. It's false. It's fake. 
it doesn't really, really work. I have been waiting nine months and I still haven't got my shirt. That proves it. I haven't got my shirt, therefore this promise of 20 pounds doesn't work. There we go, evidence. I haven't scratched the back, I haven't, it's untouched. This promise is perfect. It's in fact, I already, I still have the original part. When the two went half like us together, I still have them. It doesn't work. Now you're laughing at me saying, Wayne, don't be a dummy. That's not how a promise works. That's not how a store card works. Read the back of it. Look what it says here. This card will not be activated until presented in store. What do you mean? Do I have to take it in to the store? The person that issued the card, do I have to take the card back to the person who issued the card and then they will make an exchange? You see, I need to take this back to the store. There's a condition. Yes, it is 20 pounds. I agree, but there's a big if. If I take the card back to the store, then they will exchange the card for a nice new shirt of my choosing. Do you see it? What's the problem? I don't have any confidence in these things. Somebody has to explain it to me and say, Wayne, this is how you do it. I get confidence and now I'm off to the shop. I'm going to go and get my store card. Even though that store card was given to me by a son who loves me dearly. You see, Jesus Christ, the son of God, has given you a gift card. He's given you 4, 7,487 promises on the card. Are you believing him enough? Do you have enough confidence to go back to him and make an exchange and say, I would like to make withdrawal on that. I believe I have confidence in you. This card actually says there's no expiry date. It's a really good card. No expiry. As long as the store is still in operation, this card remains valid. You see, there's a promise that Jesus made to you and me. He made a promise. Right back in Hebrews chapter 2, he died for you and for me. He rendered the enemy powerless for you and for me. He broke the chains of fear that lead to bondage for you and for me. He didn't do it for the angels. He did it for you and for me. If we believe him. Oh, but there's one problem. You see, as I said to you, one of those problems says, as long as the store remains in operation, there is a time limit. Jesus is coming back soon. And when Jesus comes back, if you haven't claimed your free gift, if you haven't claimed the salvation that is due to you, friend, you could be left high and dry. Don't you want to make a decision today and say, I receive that free gift that Jesus made for me. I have confidence in him. You know, we have to believe. Believing, believing is not based upon the events that have happened in our life. And because of this and because I'll believe. No, no, no. We need to turn around. God expects us to make a decision of our will and our mind and say, I have decided I believe. That settles it. I don't always understand everything. There's loads in the Bible that I don't understand, but I have decided. That settles it. It's finished. I believe it. I'm going back to the maker. I'm going back to Jesus. I'm going back to my Heavenly Father and say, I believe your words. I believe those 7,487 promises. I know you can come through. So before I believe the circumstances around me, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm asking you today, while you watch the screen, while you're watching on your phone, would you make Jesus, would you say, 
I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I want to make sure that I accept your free gift that you have given me. I'm putting on the screen a button and you can press that button right now and we're going to pray together. If you press that, you, you just, it's like raising up your hand and say, preacher, would you pray for me? Would you include me in that prayer? I want to make that transaction. I want to take that promise that Jesus died for me. He puts me in right standing with the Father, gets rid of all the sin and the bad stuff in my life. I want to have the devil under control and put him in his box. I want to be able to live for Jesus. Press that button right now and we want to pray for you. If you're watching and catch up and you, there's no button on the screen, email us. Just at this prayer email address on your screen. And we'd love to send you some notes and some free materials. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. You sent Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You came and you died. And you're the high priest. And because I believe it, I'm now in right standing with you. And I confess with my mouth. I believe in Jesus and you dying on the cross for me. I believe it in my heart. Lord, I pray for every single person pushing that button, every single person praying that prayer with me. Lord Jesus, would you invade their hearts? You said in the Bible that you're standing at the door of our hearts and you're knocking. If anyone opens the door to their heart, you will come in.